It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the edition prior to the Scarlet's away game next Monday. Monday. And on the call tonight, I've got Dave Finn. Hi, Dave. Good evening, everyone. And Danny Deegan. How you going, guys? Okay, before we talk to the two lads, let's get some highlights from today's press conference. We're going to hear from Niall Murray and then defence coach Pete Wilkins. Niall, good to talk to you again. Um, we have spoken once before, which was after a game in, in Limerick when I think Connacht had won the under-19 Inter-Pros and you, you outlined that day about going back to the academy and what you were looking forward to and the Ireland under-20s. It's all working out pretty well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I suppose it's been a a good road to be on for me personally. Um, I haven't had too much backward steps uh, apart from my my two injuries, but um, apart from that, it's been pretty pretty clear sailing for me. Yeah, the the the, the development has been fairly well structured, and I mean you're getting you're getting some game time. Um, but you're in a competitive bit of the the team there. I mean, you've got uh, Kane Prendergast is there, and then you've got slightly older stagers, Gavin Thornbury, Quinn Rue, Alton Delan. So, is part of it a learning experience from them, and also just trying to be good enough to get selected? Is that is that your approach to it? Um, well, I suppose I can't be too fussy. Like I am sitting behind two Irish internationals, and then. In Ultian and uh, Quinn, and then obviously Gavin Thornbury, he's playing out the skin this season. He's after getting two man the matches, and then myself, Ushin, Keen Prendergast, Crouchy, uh, we're all kind of in the same boat, kind of fighting out. But we are learning off the, the three boys ahead of us, the three older boys, um, and it is a great learning curve for us. Uh, we pick up a lot of a little things that people from the outside world wouldn't wouldn't really notice at all. But um, yeah, the three boys. Uh, especially are, are great and, and Jimmy as well um, they, they love like teaching us younger lads uh, the little basics little, the little ins of the game the little tells that you wouldn't really see in the line out especially um, but in general play as well and uh, yeah it's, it's a great position that we're in where it's a it's a tough environment in the second row but then again you're always just one injury away from the starting position so it's a, it's a great place to be in, if I'm being honest. Peter, we'll start with a bit of a look back to um, um, the Edinburgh game there. Um, the red card, Have you? is there anything further to add to that? And, and is there a hearing due to uh, for disciplinary on it? Um, I'm not sure at the moment in terms of um, next step of action. But, you know, I mean, from our end on the current environment, we understand why the referee... Uh, felt that was the right decision or the referee and the TMO. So, you know, from that point of view, I guess it's, uh, you know, it's now fairly predictable in terms of what, what's going to merit a red card or at least a TMO intervention. So, um, you know, we understand why it happened and, uh, you know, we'll wait and see what the next step is. Twice this has occurred now, in, in just in the way the games have set up against Munster and Edinburgh. Connacht went 7-0 up very early. There was opportunities maybe at 7-0 in both games to really turn the screw and didn't get the job done. And the, the, the opposition got back in. It took them a long time to really come to grips with it. Have you been able to identify what's happening there? Look, I think it's a fair question. In, in terms of the Edinburgh game on the weekend, the you know biggest problem that we identified, obviously, there was there's two levels, I suppose, at the, um, the immediate level of the last three or four minutes in terms of 
our game management to give them that final opportunity in our 22. And, you know, we've looked very closely this morning with some of those players in the key positions about how, um, you know, how they manage that part of the game when you have got a, a narrow lead. And obviously you add in then, you know, pretty strong wind into your faces. It's not like you can just kick for field position as early or as easier as you could as early in the phases we could in that first half. So, you know, that's a, that sort of immediate level of how you close the game out. In terms of the bigger picture, you know, for us against Edinburgh, I think the penalties was, um, and the flow of penalties within the game was was crucial. Um, in that final quarter after the red card, we conceded five penalties, which, you know, through various means, but it kept giving Edinburgh access back into the game. And we dig our way out of a hole and then there'd be another penalty that gave them another, another opportunity. And I suppose to put that in context, you know, we only conceded five in the previous 60 minutes. So we'd identified in preview that, Edinburgh's main threat really in terms of them gaining field position and accessing our 22 was through penalties. We felt that, you know, in terms of what they offered in attack, that was something that we could contain. And we felt that by firing a few shots ourselves, we'd create opportunities. Um, But that flow of penalties that we'd identified in the preview, you know, that became a rush then in that final quarter. And and ultimately that's what told in terms of them getting that opportunity. So, like, I think that's the controllable piece for us that, um, you know, we've spoken about, earlier in the season and felt that we got a really good handle on um, or certainly a major improvement. But once that pressure came on, and so we managed that period okay system-wise, but there are a couple of individual decisions that that released pressure and, and gave Edinburgh access. Now looking ahead to the Scarlets, which is the final game of the Pro 14 before we move, move forward into Europe, um, it's an opportunity to get better than a 50% season, but it's, it's not been a happy hunting ground for, uh, for Connacht. So how do, you, how do you set up for this game? I mean, they've got something to play for. They're still trying to tie down third. Connacht really have second, and you've got this European game. So how, how are you going to set up later in the week to deal with that? Yeah, look, I think on the one hand, you know, as you said, it may not have been a happy hunting ground at times in the past, but equally this season, it's been our away record that stood out in terms of us actually taking opportunities and and and, and getting the wins. So in that sense, um, you know, we don't see the the venue with respect. We don't see the venue as being daunting. It's um, a matter of building on our really good away form. In terms of the context of the season, I think, you know, selection, the selection that we make will play a big part of that. And um, you know, it's something we're still discussing. We'll finalise probably tomorrow. But um, it's about picking guys that are hungry for opportunity and um, and that have still got something to prove that don't just see this as a dead rubber that's buying themselves time for, as you said, a, you know, a, a pretty exciting European game, um, you know, thereafter. So uh, the good thing in terms of how we've managed the squad this year is that um, there has been a bit of rotation and there have been opportunities given to lots of different people. So it, there's not many positions in our team at the moment where you say someone's locked in stone and has got that that cushion of knowing their automatic first choice. So, you know, in terms of the squad we send, it's about making sure so that there's no complacency there. And actually, I think the situation, you know, probably dictates that there won't be anyway, no matter who we pick. Um, but then it's also the pride that, you know, we talk very strongly within the group about winning these last two games, Edinburgh and Scarlets, and we let ourselves down in the week just gone. So it probably adds to the determination and a little bit of internal pressure. And I mean that in a positive way. Uh, to make sure that we actually do go over there and, and get a result. Andy said last week that he wants to give guys who who haven't had much game time a chance to show what they can do on the pitch. I'm just wondering at the kind of counterbalance of that as well. There's a lot. There's a couple of guys who put in a, have had a lot of game time. We saw you rested John Porsche last weekend. Tom Bailey's had an awful lot of game time as well. Dennis as well. 
Um, does that play any factor in the selection or is it just going to come down to who's going best in training this week? Um, I think having the, the weekend off immediately following um, probably means you're not as worried as you might be. If there's a European game following up exactly you know, a week or less later, I think that's where you might have to look at some of those guys like Tom or Dennis and, and be cognizant of how much load they've had in recent weeks. I think with that that spare weekend, it probably buys you a bit of a cushion that you know you can get more out of them and they can recharge them for Europe. Um, I think the balance of selection we had last week was was spot on. And what I mean by that was we had those regular guys in there. We still kept combinations where we could, but then you sprinkled in you know some of those young guys that maybe hadn't had the opportunity, but had earned the opportunity, like you know Sean O'Brien in the centres, Keen Prendergast, obviously, and, and Oren McNulty off the bench. So I think that's a nice balance where you've got the set of combinations and you've got the experience, but you can you know, drop in three or four of those young guys or, or, or fellas that haven't had much game time in the last couple of months and, and make sure they're getting their opportunity around, um, you know, around settled, a settled team around them. So I imagine we'll take a fairly similar approach this week. And, um, you know, you throw into the mix some of those young blokes that, that had a chance last week, did a brilliant job. So, um, you know, you want to reward that and encourage that and give them opportunity to build on it. So there is a balance in there, but um, I think we got it right last week and, and it'll look for a similar model next week or this week. Okay, Dave. We we had your uh, we had your thoughts immediately after the game at the at the weekend. What have you What have you thought about it since? It's another one of those games where you're thinking, "Thank God everything's sorted. Thank God there was nothing riding on us." Because you'd be extremely annoyed if that had had if if heaven forbid it's the Scarlets won the night before, mm-hmm. or Cardiff were within touching distance. You'd have been more you'd been really really annoyed because um, that was a game that was. That was one, yeah. and I think the guys, the, the the coaches themselves, think that was one, and then it just kind of fell apart in the last fifteen twenty minutes, um, because they not even the last fifteen minutes it fell apart in the last fifteen twenty seconds. Yeah, because yeah. Um, they did, they overcame a massive body blow, and they did very well, and they kind of they did some they played really well up until about the seventy fifth minute. And they negated a team that didn't have an awful lot to begin with. They, and I think you summed it up best when you said just give them the ball, because it was clear they didn't quite know what to do with it. And Pete said he thought that the only way they felt that they could get Edinburgh could get into any sort of progression up the field was penalties, and then we gave them penalties. Now there was a bit of headless chicken stuff there. Some of it was down to inexperience. Some of it was down to the. I, I put it down to. The, you know, the really poor home record. But I'm just thankful, you know, thankfully, and like I say, it's one of those games where the young lads will learn an awful lot because they lost. It wasn't easy. It was a terrible night, the 14 men. They did very well up until, like I say, up until the last 20 seconds and then it just fell apart. Um, yeah, and, and just going back, just just to pick up on what Dave said about the penalties, Danny, you've been, we've been talking offline um, about this sort of thing. What, what did you, you went back and looked at this a bit, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, because after listening to the, the, the pod that you guys did after, straight after the game, uh, it was something on Masterson said about, you know, uh, they were conscious of giving away a penalty, uh, like going off their feet at the rook or something like that. Um, now, the only thing is, is that we've had this ref for two games now. So there's been 46 penalties in that game across the, the different teams, but only 13 of them were against the attacking team. And nine of those were holding on. Not one was for going off the feet. So my, my kind of thing would be is that, like, 
I think we need to do there, there needs to be looking at like uh, how the referees ref the game like each ref is different and they're all creatures of habit like we're humans we're creatures of habit so if he's not going to give away a penalty if he doesn't give those away on a regular basis surely you've got to back yourself and hold on to the ball I know Edinburgh didn't look like they were doing much of an attack but they, they, they were actually quite good in their defensive setup they nearly always had two guys uh, in the backfield waiting for the ball to be kicked to them sometimes even three um, I actually went back over the game and looked at how many times we kicked the ball and we kicked the ball um, 16 times this is not including penalties or the, the fly hack just towards the end of the game 10 out of those 16 kicks were fielded by Edinburgh players so I think I would have liked to have seen us back ourselves and trust ourselves that we won't go off our feet, that we won't uh, knock the ball on, that we can that we can actually back ourselves, back our skills to to uh, finish that game out and not give away a couple of stupid penalties. Now, in saying that, I think the the last penalty against Papali he was a little bit harsh. I thought he had a clear release, but then that's up to interpretation. Okay, yeah. So that's um, that's. I've had enough of that. Unless you had something else, Danny, did you? Just, just something quick. Just on uh, the three guys that started. Uh, say our three young lads, uh, Murray, Prentigast, I know uh, Sean O'Brien. Uh, Murray was the highest tackler last week, and he put Edinburgh's line out under serious pressure. He was the highest tackler with 19 tackles, and the second highest for Connacht was Prentigast, uh, tied with Thornbury for 13 tackles. Uh, but I was very impressed with his ability to manhandle a lot of players. He dragged a couple of Edinburgh players around the pitch as if they were well, ragdolls what, what, a couple of times. And what time did he leave? He left the pitch at it was just just before fifty the fifty minute mark. Wow! So he was he was on course to be the top tackler before he left the field. Yeah, yeah. He he was going through some serious work, and then um, Sean O'Brien scored a try and made eleven tackles and didn't miss any. So I think he's been very solid in the, the centre there. All good, Dave. All good to see these young fellas. You know, moving on, we saw them play the previous week against uh, the Munster A and, and, and they certainly showed their their mettle in that game. Um, indeed, I mean, it was good to see they carried the form through. If you, yeah. you would have picked, there would have been three or four of the, the main guys you would have picked. There's a couple of others you would say, do you know what, very well against Munster in that Eagles game. So why not? They might come into contention. I wouldn't be surprised if they do actually start the, the guys I've got in mind, but, which is why I was kind of asking Pete there about um, player uh, yeah. overload. I think I think we are a little light in in certain areas, and it'll be interesting to see what the injury list is. Off the record, we've been told a few players have come back for certain positions, and we we actually I think we can pretty much assume that the three Irish guys won't be back for for Monday. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, especially in the centre, because I think Tom Daly. I think Tom Daly may be very close to matching John Porch for game time, if not having gone ahead of him last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and of course we, we it depends. I can't remember. I, I I haven't cut that bit of the audio yet, but when we're only shown, we're only given some of the highlights of the press conference. If you want to hear the full press conference and Dave's question, you can go to um, Patreon.com/slash/CraggyRugby and uh, you can hear it on there. Um, it's behind the paywall because we, we do need people to give us a couple of bows to make sure we can keep this podcast going we, we'd we like to thank everyone who's donated so far um, but if you'd like to, to help us keep this thing ticking over and hear the full press conference go to patreon.com slash craggy rugby 
Anyone want to talk about Ireland? Any any thoughts about Six Nations? I don't. Yeah, great um, stuff. Think, super stupid. I think. Uh, well, I, well, I do think the significant thing is 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 has nothing to do with with what happened on the pitch. It's the fact that CJ Stander has retired, and depending on who you talk to, um, that may or, or who's reporting on it, that may have a lot to do with what off. You know, he was fifty fifty about retiring or staying with Ireland, and 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 the. The deal put towards him may have swung him very much towards the retirement deal, and it's significant to note that they gave clearly they didn't give a man who is thirty um, a deal he felt was worth not retiring for, but they did give guys who were thirty five, thirty three, thirty four, and thirty one deals that they felt were worth going on for. So, just just an observation more than anything else regarding Ireland. As for Ireland, same thing I'll actually say about Connacht, and indeed I'd say it about a lot of teams, France as well. Don't kick the ball away stupidly. Yep, that's that's enough Six Nations talk. I've I've heard enough there. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on to some some other little bit of news today. We got it was the the date and time of our Challenge Cup match and the fact that it's going to be on TV. Yeah, it's it's April the third, Saturday, Easter Saturday, eight o'clock. It's on. It's like it, it as of now. I have no reason to not believe it's not been shown on BT. Um, so we'll, we uh, so well, let's we hope know. it's not let's hope it's not a, a red button BT let's hope it's um, a proper BT thing I suppose it'll depend on what soccer they have or what what um, Champions um, Cup games they have Easter that day Saturday they might not have the late game that might go to the sky but again I'd need to check I mean as far out I'd need to check okay what we do is we'll um, we'll keep people informed keep I'm you sure. Yeah, we'll keep you updated as soon as we find out more about that. And okay, just before we get to the, the Scarlets game, there was a bit of good news out there for women's rugby today, Dave. It's good news, but it's a bit all over the place in terms of exactly what it means. It looks like there's going to be, from 2023 onward, the easy way to phrase it, it's going to be a structured autumn international series for the Irish women's team. Uh, they will play games. They will play, uh, and it's going to be a minimum of at least three games. So that's good to hear. The details still need to be fleshed out, and of course, it'll all be sorted out in 2023. And it'll be based on the previous Six Nations. So we perform well, we go into Tier One. We go perform badly, we go into Tier Two. That's great news. That's I have to say that's that's brilliant. The more the more opportunities the the women get to play high level rugby, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Right, Scarlets. Monday night game. What have you got for us, Danny? Uh, it's not a happy hunting ground. And they did mention that in the um, the press conference today. Like, uh, we, we've played 16 times over there. We've won one, drawn one, and lost 14. It's not a good place for us to go. Just just to clarify those those stats, that one one that we won was back in 2004 and the one we drew was also in 2004 and both of them were in Stratty Park not Parky Scarlets we have never won uh, in Parky Scarlets Dave you're our Welsh club expert not uh, pigeonholed in any way or shape or form in this podcast but no, no, absolutely, absolutely, what's the story what's the story no. with Scarlets <laughs> jeez no that that's a loaded question um the Scarlets are a very very strange team um, their first 11, their first 15 would be probably among the strongest in the competition. The problem is, is A, they never play it because of, you know, injuries, 
and Welsh commitments. And I think they're going to be very, they've been very heavily affected by the Six Nations going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find really remarkable about the Scarlets is how much they drop off from their first 15. It is ridiculous. They have some really, really glorious young talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seems to be once the the Ken Owens is your Liam Williams, your John Davises are not there, they don't seem to have the noose. And some of the guys that aren't with the Welsh squad, who are Welsh ex Welsh internationals, their drop off in form also has been quite spectacular. Like Steph Evans is a shadow of the player he was three or four years ago when he was leading try scorer. When that team made the the Pro 14 final, he was exceptional. He just does not look the same player mm. um, in, in, in literally every sense of the word. But they are capable of, of, of good victories and they are difficult to beat um, in, in Parky Scarlets. I mean, the last time I watched 80 minutes of them uh, not playing us was their game against Dragons, which on paper they won comprehensively. Mm. But they were pretty much outplayed for 50 minutes of that game. and then, But the Dragons are even worse than they are and <laughs> simply don't know what to do with the ball. Then got, they then lost both their derbies. After that game, they lost both to the Scarlets, got hammered by Leinster, did, did, a, did a job on Benetton. Somehow, on Be- you know, they beat teams below them, but they come up against any team above them and they struggle. But I do think the big factor, and Dan, I think it's the fact that very good that Dan raised it was, Scarlets will be up for this from minute one to minute 80 because they, their, their next season relies on this and contracts and all that that in, implies. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, hopefully, oh, go on, Dan. Just, just a couple of things you were saying. It's like you know, you, you, you're not sure about how Scarlets are doing and uh, what, what's going to happen to them this season. They're conceding a lot of penalties. Like they, they're, um, they've conceded the most in the championship on 175 penalties this, this season. Oh, in how many yeah. games? Fifteen. That is in the fifteen games. 170. That's wow. Wow. that's 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 at least that's twelve that's that's eleven a game. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's eleven twelve a game. That's how who is their defense coach? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that could be defense and attack. You know, it's not just the one thing. It'd be I, I, I guess if I if I gone and back and watched a few more few of their games, I could come back with you on some stuff like that. But it does seem to be it tends to be defense is where uh, most referees give away penalties against. That is. Like they've also had six yellow cards and four red. I'm just looking at just looking at something else here, which, you know, because I've been talking to a couple of people and they're, they, they're worried we don't score enough tries and we're not doing well enough. We're not scoring enough tries. Um, we're third in the league. We've 48 yeah, tries scored. We, we've, like, like we're ahead of Munster. A Munster have only scored 45, but the bigger issue is that we've let in 40 and Munster have only let in 23. And I think that's... Uh, that's a bigger issue. Uh, we've got six try bonuses. Again, only two teams have better than us. That's Ulster and Leinster. Um, and we have five losing bonus points. So even in the games that we do lose, we tend to be very competitive. So so we haven't really been hockeyed by anybody, but we still, and especially in those home games, they've all been one, apart from Ulster, they've all been one score games, which is probably, as a collective, they're frustrating. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's small things that can go the right way. As a perfect example, Papalihi's 
penalty that was given away could have been seen differently by the ref. All of a sudden, we get the penalty, we win the game. We score one of the tries that uh, we knock on or the ball was knocked out of our hands against Scarlets. You know, it's, it is small things, it's fine margins, but that's pro sport. Oh, yeah. And it only gets higher, especially when you get into international level, that margin becomes smaller and smaller, you know? Yeah, because even if we do lose this game, then we still have a 50% winning record, which means Andy Friend still has to have a losing record in the Pro 14. When you add European games in, they become losing records. But, um, you know, the Pro 14 is our bread and butter, and, and we've never had that before. Even under Pat Lamb, we only really had the one winning season. So it's still it's still progress, and it's still a case of learning from those, like being tight in games. And I think I said it to William last week, you know, it's the Porra Carrington effect. If you put yourself in with a chance to win, um, at some point in time, they'll, you know, they'll turn into victories. William's not convinced about that. I am. I think it's the way it's happening. You know, if if we, like last week, it was a strange one. And I think you guys said it as well that, yes, we did lose, but there was still a bit of a buzz about it because of the guys that had played and we still looked like we played well. If you get me, or those guys played well and we looked, they, they okay. looked solid at this level, which, you know, so I guess that's more of an optimist kind of view on it. But, um, look, I'd love to win this weekend, but if we lose and play well, I wouldn't be as disappointed if we won and played bad, badly, if you get me. Okay, so you're anti William. William would be take the win, don't care how we do it. <laughs> what about you, Dave? I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Weirdly, weirdly, I can see both points of view. I would, I would always take a win, but if we do lose and we play well and it's by, again, a point or two and some young lads and guys who haven't got much game time play really well, mm. but we end up... Let me put, um, if it was a, a Munster-style loss, I'd, I wouldn't be overly upset. Whereas if it was a traditional we go to Wales and get our arses handed to us, then I would be upset. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, okay. Like, so what, I, so... I, I don't want to be taken up wrong that I don't want us to win, but it's it's more... This game doesn't mean anything. I'd rather see more guys get a chance. You know? So build up, build, build up the something that we've never really had is a strength and depth. Because like you look at our second row, second row strength and depth is is phenomenal at the moment. Um, and there's guys yeah. who aren't even being considered. Like I mean, we, if you consider, there's also, I mean, Niall Murray. It doesn't stop with Niall mm-hmm. Murray. It goes yep. down to Dara Murray. It goes down to Kieran Booth, who we've seen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the great forgotten man is Kieran Gallagher, whose shoulder injury just you, you start to worry if this is going to be yeah sort of terminal in terms of his rugby career because but he was another guy who could play in the second row as well. Um, and now, in so, saying that, you had uh, Sean O'Brien who had serious shoulder injuries and. Not Sean, not Sean Porrick O'Brien, not Sean Garrett Sean O'Brien, Porrick. as we, we now we now call them. We call them, give them their full name. Sean, Sean Porrick O'Brien, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he had serious issues with his shoulder. and um, I can't remember what the game, but he came on and only lasted 20 seconds. It it didn't look good, but then when he's played this season, he's looked extremely solid for us. Yeah. Again, he's had a couple of injury issues, but I don't think they've been shoulder inju- shoulder injuries. Okay, so you're going for the win, Dave, I take it, as always? I uh, will go for the win, but it's going to be, it'll be dictated on, I, I hate to say it, it will be dictated on what Scarlet show up. If Scarlet's go out there with the right attitude, we could get, it could be chastening. 
But if Scarlet's go out there with the attitude they've had against the last two times they played Irish teams, it could we could it could be make hay, making hay while the sun shines. It really could. So with the game being on a Monday, team announcement is on Sunday. So yeah. we will have William will go and find one of the coaches to talk to to find out why they've picked who they've picked and the reasons behind it and and all as always we'll have that uh, mini pod with that out there later in the week we don't know exactly which day yet because it's been the week that's that's in it and playing on the Monday which we definitely will have um, some audio before the match and as always we finished we finished the podcast with William giving us the fixtures results and the tables as they stand. Results from last weekend in the Pro 14 on Friday, the 12th of March, Zebra 31, Leinster 48, Glasgow Warriors 30, Ospreys 25, Munster 28, Scarlets 10. On Saturday, the 13th of March, Connacht 14, Edinburgh 15, Dragons 22, Ulster 26. And on Sunday, the 14th of March, Benetton 14, Cardiff Blues 29. Pretty quick look at the tables in Conference A. It's still Leinster on top. 14 wins out of the 15 games played with one loss, 14 bonus points, 70 points. Ulster in second, 13 wins, two losses out of the 15, seven bonus points, 59 points. Ospreys, 15 played, one, seven, lost eight, four bonus points, 32. Glasgow Warriors played 14, won five, lost nine, Five bonus points on 25 points in fourth. In Conference B, Munster on top. Played 15, won 13, lost two, 59 points, seven bonus points they've picked up. Connacht are in second. 15 played, won eight, lost seven. 11 bonus points, 43 points. They are guaranteed second place in the table. Scarlets have played 15. They've won seven, lost eight, six bonus points, 34 the Cardiff Blues played 15, won 7, lost 8, 3 bonus points on 31 in 4th. But then we have Edinburgh in 5th, played 13, won 5, lost 8, 24 points, 4 bonus points. They have two games in hand over the two sides ahead of them and statistically they can still get 3rd. So, Friday the 19th of March, Munster versus Benetton, 6pm kickoff. Leinster versus the Ospreys, 8.15pm. And Ulster versus Zebre, also at 8.15pm. No matches on Saturday the 20th, which is the final round of the Six Nations. On Sunday the 21st of March, Dragons versus the Glasgow Warriors with a 3pm kickoff. And then on Monday the 22nd, of March. There are two games, both kicking off at 8pm, all with relevance to the teams chasing third in Conference B. Cardiff Blues versus Edinburgh, Scarlets versus Connacht. Connacht, as we've said, guaranteed second place. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side, 